Hey, welcome to the Jerry Gherkin Show, where we get our kicks out of watching people succeed. I'm your host, Jerry Gherkin, and that time is now. A little fun fact about me is my wife and I met uh, while I was in college, and both of our daughters eventually, after we got married and had kids, uh, went down um, different career paths. And ironically, both of their career paths were paths that we were going on. Our daughter, Tabitha, who's the guest on my show today, uh, went into cosmetology, and that's what my wife was aspiring to do in uh, put the pump the brakes a little bit because of uh, having kids and having a family and decided to go that direction. But yet our daughter Tabitha decided to go that direction. And then for me, um, my our daughter Tessa decided to go into chiropractics. And she got her medical nutrition degree from Ohio State and decided to follow that and pursue that. And that was something that I was aspiring to do until we had kids and I realized that the timing was not right. So it's really super cool to see your kids and not to live vicariously through your kids, but to see your kids um, fulfill dreams that you had as a, as a young person. So, uh, but I want to welcome my daughter Tabitha to the show today. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, dad? I am doing wonderful. Today is a great day. Every day is a great day. I'm beyond blessed. But um, Tabitha um, brought this this topic up. She wanted to talk about uh, some of the things that I've given her through the years. <clears throat> and uh, this mm -hmm. is 100% her idea. And uh, she's actually going to be talking the most most of the time. She's going to be the host. So I'm going to sit back. And, I get it uh, honest. <laughs> she gets it honest. I'm gonna be the uh, the recipient of the questions and the conversation and the dialogue continues. So take it away. Yeah, thanks dad. Um, yeah, I have done a lot of reflecting over, I mean, I feel like we've all had some quality time with ourselves over the last four months for sure. But I, especially with a lot of things going on in the world right now, and I will not get political because political means not fun. So, but with a lot of things that go on in the world, I've done a lot of um, reflecting and research on parents and what it means to have active parents in your life, and especially an active father role. Um, and I have, we can include this if people actually want to read the article, but I read an article um, by USA Today, and it's um, called Why Dads Matter According to Science. And um, I don't have the actual physical numbers in front of me because I didn't want it to be very, today I wanted it to be a super easy conversation. But I mean, there are studies that show that children with involved fathers, stepdads or father figures are less likely to get in trouble with the law. They tend to do better in school and they're more likely to hold, to hold a job well. So, I mean, I'll never say that it's impossible to be a decent human without a father figure. But when I read this article, it rang true to me that my childhood was a lot easier because of having an active father figure. Um, and I think that it's selfish to not share my amazing dad with everyone. So um, I, I have a couple questions and, but I just wanna kind of see how the conversation flows tonight. And I just wanna have a, have a talk. Between me and my dad and the rest of the world can watch. Absolutely. 
We do it often, so it's gonna yeah. be easy. I mean, there's sometimes that people don't need to listen to those conversations, but <laughs> these ones are ones that people can listen to no problem. So sure. I just have five questions and then I'm sure each one of them is going to lead into a little side road. So that's why sure. I kept it to five. So um, my first question, and this is one that literally you and I have had lots of late night deck talks about is why is it important to have a good work ethic? Wow. You know, yeah. I think that the work ethic is so important because it, it it's pretty much a definition of your character. I mean, if you mm -hmm. if you have a good work ethic, then you know you're you're going to be successful. And mm -hmm. I get my kicks out of watching people succeed. So to have a good work ethic or a great work ethic, um, getting up every morning, and you, you observe that obviously from your mom and I. Um, and, and I think that that's what prompted you and your sister to see that model. Um, mm -hmm. You're not you're not making excuses, and you're personal personally accountable for what you do. And yeah. having a good work ethic moving forward is is paramount, in my opinion. Um, being on time, you know, you and I share that 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 trait. Um, you and I are so much alike and your mom and, and your sister Tessa are so much alike in, in a lot of things. But um, I think having Tessa has a great work ethic. Your mom has a great work ethic. I mean, we, and I don't know if it's something that's innate. Um, I, I think it can be learned, but I think mm -hmm. that there's an internal compass that you have that you understand that this this is important and growing up for me i remember my mom stayed at home and my dad went to work every day and he always had a job and he was always consistent and um so that that was a model for me so that has been passed along to you guys um to have that great work ethic so that you can set yourself up for success. Success doesn't always happen. Um, mm -hmm. There's challenges and trials, but I think that uh, having a great work ethic is, is definitely a, a solid foundation if you look at it as a pyramid. And one of the things, one of the blocks in a pyramid um, is, is work ethic to be able to be successful in, in life and what you do. Definitely. Yeah, I think mine, like, I mean, obviously watching you and mom for sure, but it was, no one likes to get in trouble. So you didn't ever want to be late because you would get in trouble. You didn't ever want to, you always wanted to try to be the best of your ability because you didn't want to mess up. Like, not that the, I mean, you messing up was the end of the world because we're all supposed to mess up so that we can learn, but no one wants that gut feeling of like, oh crap, like I messed up. What is this gonna, the ripple effect, the domino effect of like my mistake is gonna cause X, Y, and Z. So that's why, I mean, especially for you and I, and I know this as a fact is that we both show up way too early because we don't want there to be a mistake happen. We show up too early, we, you know, cross our I's and dot, or 
cross our eyes. <laughs> we cross our T's and dot our I's so many times over and over again to make sure that, you know, out of all these things that could happen, the right one's going to happen. So I feel like so to me, with, without, without a prop, without proper preparation, you have a mm -hmm. piss poor performance. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that arriving early and, and being prepared, especially when I was in management for a little while, um, I got to work before everybody else intentionally. So you live life with intentionality because in anticipation of something happening that was unforeseen, um, I was able to prepare or handle that ahead of time so that when my regular day started, then I was, I was ahead of it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just like getting up every day at, at five, five, five fifteen, and being at Grant Cardone talks about getting ahead of everybody else. Be, be awake and be active before everybody else, because then you're ahead of everybody else. And in the game of life, if you want to call it a game by, by doing that, you're setting yourself up for success. And you can call that work ethic because, because it is. But yeah. yeah, I don't even really think that you like have to have a job to have great work ethic because you can have great work ethic in your home and how you can properly organize your day. I mean, and that's something that I struggle with per personally because I have a great at work ethic at work but then when I come home it's hard because my work or my house is my sanctuary it's where I can just relax and be myself so right. it's hard to be like okay well I still need to work at home and that's why yeah, I think that people that, I... that that are at home a hundred you know like like your mm -hmm. mom for example when when I, I've talked to her many times about writing down a list I write down a list at work of things that I want to get yep. accomplished and then I cross them off as I do them and then I move forward it's the same thing here because, I mean, I, I couldn't do what I do without your mom. Oh, yeah. She takes care of so many things. I mean, and it's domestic stuff. It is not necessarily revenue generating directly, but it is revenue generating because I don't have to worry about it. Right. You know, the the, the laundry is going to be taken care of, my, my breakfast, my lunch, all that, yeah. those things. I pack my lunch every day, or she does. Um, so, so those things, but, but taking care of that work ethic at home and making sure that things are, are neat and tidy and, you know, you can, you can ignore that stuff and it'll just go away. So I've, I've said that about many things, you, you know, if you ignore your health, it'll go away. If you ignore your financial well being, it'll go away. If you ignore this, it'll go away. You know, so there's so many things that. Mm -hmm if you aren't intentional about and you don't pay attention to they just go away so yes so i i agree 100 percent with you uh in, in the fact that work ethic is is huge and it's it can be learned but i think a lot of it is is innate yeah i can agree with that i think that everyone can take like from i mean you and i have had talked about this you take the good things and you just you're like okay in my life I'm not going to do this or in my job I'm not going to do this because I've learned from other people so you take like yes I learned from this person to do this and I learned from this person not to do that so you can I feel like a lot of personally I kind of disagree with you I think that you learn a lot of it 
but you learn it starting from a very young age. So it's harder to learn when you're older and already in your business or in, you know, you do a career change or something like that. I think it could be harder to learn, you know, kind of like you can't teach an old dog new tricks, even though you can, you know, it's just a lot harder. So, I mean, I think that pretty much for me, I've taken a lot of things from you and mom, and then I've taken a lot of things from previous employers that I've had and present employers that I have. So, and I've taken things from, you know, people that I watch on the internet and all these different things on how they live their life and friends that I've met along the way. So I think that work ethic is very important because I think that it almost describes you as a person. If you have a poor work ethic, you're not going to perform well as a friend or as a, you know, husband or wife, in my opinion. Yeah. It's funny you say that because one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever received, and I've said it in many of the podcasts previously, is, is from Tom Jeffire at the Oiler Pizza Pub and how he told me to take what you like and discard the stuff that you don't. You know, but it was funny when you were saying that, I was thinking about when I got hired to work for the current company, Taylor Automotive Family, that I work with right now. Um, Shane Kimmel, the uh, the general manager now at the store, is it, he, he told me that, because I, I was a seasoned veteran and he was recruiting me to work for their company and he said, we don't typically hire tired old dogs. And that's what he referred to me as. And I was, I took offense to it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And the reason for his verbiage was, was not to be mean to me, but it, it, it was just that they want to hire people that they can mold and do the things that they do right. in their model. And I said, I'm not a tired old dog and I'm, I, I'm not, above changing or, mo or, or modifying what I'm currently doing. And, and obviously he's, he's found that out because I'm pretty successful with the company. Yeah, you do okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, it, it was funny when you were talking about that, it, he flashed in my mind because I was just like, yeah, tired old dog. It's, it goes back to when I was younger, when, when my, coaches would yell and scream at me and then same thing in the Marine Corps I would get yelled and screamed at and I would like you know I'm gonna prove you wrong because mm -hmm. you don't know me you know when somebody says something you have no idea like Ken Caligiri the first time I was I coached wrestling at Van Buren High School for 10 years we had six kids on the team and two of his boys were wrestling for me and we had a slab of mat that was in the in the basketball on the basketball court that was all we we didn't have a wrestling room we just had a little slab of mat and i was running him through drills and stuff and and uh he comes up and he's, hey how you doing ken keller jerry oh and i'm like hey how you doing i'm jerry gherkin nice to meet you i'm the new head coach and he he was like so what are you gonna do i said well i'm gonna turn this thing around i'm gonna make this thing something well that's what the last guy said and that's what he, that was the first conversation with him. I had him with him and he's one of my best friends to this yeah, day. And I've say. known him for over 20 years and you, you prove by results, you know, talk mm -hmm. is cheap. You prove by your results. 
and I and I took that team with help from other people. I'm not taking 100% responsibility for this, but I was the the leader. You know, I was out in front. I was showing what needed to be done. And we took that team, and they didn't have a biddy wrestling program. We started a biddy wrestling program. Long story short, on a full biddy wrestling team, full junior high team, full varsity team, and we were very, very competitive. And then the proof is in the results. So it's, it's pretty fun to reflect on that stuff. Thanks for asking the question. Mm -hmm. I think it's a your talk is cheap is a perfect segue into my next question because talk is cheap has always been, I mean, heck, we had, we had t-shirts from Van Buren Wrestling with talk is cheap on them. So um, one of your other famous quotes is the definition of insanity. So why don't you elaborate on that? Well, if, for the listeners out there that don't know what the definition of insanity, and ironically, I was just talking about this the other day with just a, a random person, is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So you go to work, you do this job, you, you have your date nights and you hope for a, a spectacular relationship with your spouse, you know, but you keep doing the same things and then you're hoping for a different result. Well, that, that's, that's, ins it's insane. It's insanity. That's what the definition of an insanity is. So you need to change, you need to tweak, you need to do some things differently uh, to, to see a different result in, in business. You know, if, if you if you keep putting out the same advertisement and you're still seeing the same traffic, then you need to change it. Yeah. You know, if, if you still do the same introduction, the same meet and greet, if you continue to do the same thing and it's not producing and your expectation is, well, I've, I've talked to 100 people and you're not seeing any results, then you need to change what you're doing to get a different result. There was a guy, um, I remember years ago, I used to have, uh, I, I was always, always an entrepreneurial mindset. And there was word power made easy. And it was an infomercial I got sucked into. And it was like, all right, this is it, man. And this guy had this little tweak where you would put these little classified ads out there Don LaPree was his name. And he would, he would say that you could put these classified ads out there and all you got to do is if there's no play on it, then you just tweak the verbiage a little bit and then you'll get more play. And I think Meredith can attest to this because when she does advertising and she does things on, on social media, if, if it's not working, then she tweaks a few things and then the results change. So it's no, nothing different. It's, it's, it's the same thing. If you expect the same, if you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result, you're, you're, you're going to drive yourself bananas. So, right. I mean, that, that can go on every, every level, truly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I've experienced this in my cosmetology career. You know, I would come home and, you know, when I first started out, I worked at a chain salon. It wasn't anything spectacular. And it was just like, well, if I treat everyone exactly the same, you know, I will, I will get there. I will succeed. And you can't treat people 
the same because people aren't the same. People are different. And they, you know, I mean, obviously you should treat everyone with kindness. I mean, me personally, that's what I do. But it's like you, you know, some people need the blunt tabby to come out punch them in the face on what they need and then some people need you know the more kind nurturing tabby to kind of like ease them into the situation that we're gonna have so I mean and that's just in my profession and I'm sure in your profession and anyone listening your profession whether you're a stay-at-home parent or you're um I mean you sell houses you know I mean you can't, I mean, especially with your children, in my opinion, it's like, you can't treat your kids the same every single day because they're going to have, I mean, have kids for the first 20 years of their life, their brains going a million different directions. So you have to go day by day with it and kind of tweak and adjust and go further from there. And it's funny, um, Kristen and I, my husband, um, we watched, um, Oh shoot! I, the last ride. It's the um, the Undertaker. It's his tale of him in, being in the WWE. I mean, you look at someone who had a 30-year span on television, a 30-year successful span on television. If you talk about WWE, everyone knows who's who the Undertaker is. And I mean, they had different eras of WWE. So I mean, I think about. I've never watched the WWE, and I know who the Undertaker is. Exactly, exactly. And my husband and I are big fans. So it's like The Undertaker, he went from, you know, being this dead man to being like a badass motorcycle rider dude, back to being the dead man. And then at the, I mean, sorry if I spoil the end, but I mean, it's <laughs> been out for a while. But, but, and it was, it was actually a fight that happened or a wrestling match that happened. But like, his last match was a collaboration of everything when he fought AJ, or he wrestled against AJ Styles. So I feel like that was one of those things that like he changed himself, he changed his character, and he had the most successful career in wrestling history. So that's one of those things that like, yeah, when you think of The Undertaker, you think you think of when you started watching wrestling, or you know, you probably just think of oh, you know, a WWE wrestler. But it's, it's really interesting to me to see people who've had a successful career, because obviously I'm very young. So it's like, it's really cool to me to see people who've had a successful career and be able to kind of watch their key points of where they changed to stay relevant, to stay successful. Yeah, so I, I keep thinking in my mind about one word and that's chameleon, mm -hmm. you know, and and in my profession, and like you referenced with your, your clients that come in, you have to be a chameleon. And what I mean by that is you have to adjust to their personality. You have to understand and recognize the psychology yeah. behind the person that's in front of you. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that evolution of the undertaker, if you want to continue that one, he, he understood that he needed, to, he needed to change and he needed to be a different person. And like Dana Carvey once said, become another person, become another person. Yeah. You know, in, the, <laughs> in that fun movie that we used to watch all the time, Master of Disguise. But, um, you know, being a chameleon is, is, I think, one of the biggest things that I've been able to do that's created a lot of success for me because... I listen, 
and I have two ears and yeah. one mouth, Meredith, and I listen twice as much as I talk, and I use them accordingly. <laughs> I'm going to keep hammering that home, girl, till you hear me. <laughs> but anyway, she's just laughing. It's fun. Um, but anyway, I, I, I listen to my clients. You know, I listen mm -hmm. to the people that are in front of me and I listen to their scenario, their situation, and, and I'm a problem solver. But in order to be a good problem solver, you have to be a chameleon. You have to be able to adjust, just like you, you said. Sometimes you got to punch them in the face. Sometimes you got to be soft. Sometimes you got to be in the middle. And you got to understand that sometimes they need the sandwich technique where you compliment them, yeah. redirect compliment. You know, but, but to be super successful, you have to be a chameleon. So I, I, I was talking I about that, that when you talking about that. That was cool. I think that another thing is that sometimes you can have the same customer, same client, and you have to treat them differently than what you did before because they've made an adjustment. Yeah, so but, that's, but that's being that's being aware. Yeah. I mean, being aware of them, and that's that's the listening part I'm talking about, and and mm -hmm. checking out their body language and seeing if they're all slumped over, seeing if they're pumped up, you know, cross arm, yeah, cross legs, whatever. Just being aware of of their body, and and our mm -hmm. businesses both are are very psychology and. Yeah, I mean, we're built-in therapists for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I. I I have my vision board in my office and I can't tell you how many times I spend 90% of the time talking to somebody about their life. 10% mm -hmm. of the time what, talking about what, their major purchase. Yeah. And that's what keeps them coming back is, I mean, heck, I had a client today. It's a girl that I went to high school with and it's like, we talked the whole time about, other things like the beginning it's like okay this is what i'm doing with your hair cool let's do it blah blah blah, blah xyz and then like when i needed to interject and ask again about you know what we were doing with her hair i did but most of the time we were having our own conversation and you that's, know we, and if I'm, you go back you go back quite a few episodes to damien boudreau and he had so much great content but one of the things that I've learned from him, which has been many, but one of the things that's relevant to our conversation is it's relationship selling, not yes. transactional selling. People, and, and Juby Wilson was just on a couple of weeks ago, and he talks about people will buy from people that they know, like, and trust. And Damien takes it to a different level, and he talks about your tribe. The people that you have a relationship with that would drive two and a half hours to do business with yeah. you because they know that you're 100% going to take care of them. So it, it's relationship, not transactional. And I, and I think that that's going to continue to go that direction. If you want to be, if you're listening and you want to tune off right now, if you take one thing away from this conversation, your success in sales, if you're a salesperson, customer service in general, transaction, 
selling is out. It's about relationship selling. It's about having the relationship because people will do business with you. I had a guy today, today, drive 45 minutes and he could have bought a vehicle in his backyard. It was the same vehicle, but he knows that I'm gonna take care of him and he's, he's okay. And he had people badgering him, come here, come here, come here, I'll, I'll do a better deal. No, I'm gonna work with this guy because I know him, I trust him, I like him, and he cares about me and he's there. So it's relationship versus transaction and mm -hmm. get away from the transactions because the transactions are cold and they're impersonal and they don't last. The relationships are what last. Yeah. I mean, I have clients that are solely transactional. They come in because they want to relax and get their hair cut or they hate getting their hair done and they know that I will shut up and I will cut their hair and we will move on with our lives. And that's part of being a chameleon. And that is part of being a forever student, which leads me into my next question on why is it important? To you like these segues. I find them. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like it. You're going to take so, over my job. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. <laughs> I'm all right. Just why is it important to always be a student in your profession and also in life? Why is it important to just always be a sponge? So I think that goes into lifetime learning. You know, I, until I, until I got into the Taylor automotive family, I, I really wasn't a lifetime learner. I was good at what I did and I'm beyond blessed because God has blessed me with the ability to do what I do. And I had some insight, but I think that um, it was really op really opened my mind uh, being part of a, a great organization that I'm part of right now that, and, and interacting with Steven Taylor on a regular basis where he's pushed me to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And personal growth and development is one of our core values and, and it's forced me into reading books, which I can't read books. It's not that I can't read. I just, my mind travels too much. So I, I listen to audiobooks, and you can speed up audiobooks for those of you that don't know this, you can speed up audiobooks so that the, the narrator is speaking faster. So I've, I've found my little sweet spot where the, the audiobooks I can, I can retain the information because when I was, when I would read a book, a hardback book, I would have to read and reread and reread and reread and it, I would not retain the information. So the audiobooks have been a, a godsend for me, but becoming a lifetime learner, I think is huge because I've grown so much in the last five years as a human being. Mm -hmm. And to be able to retain that information and to be able to share that information, I, I can't tell you how many times on a daily basis I'm regurgitating information that I got from something else um, or somebody else, you know, a book or a podcast or, a, you know, or just a, a casual conversation that I, I share with somebody else. 
So lifetime learning is, is I'll continue to do it. And, and it's, I mean, it's, it's where it's at. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful in my career path that I have to do continued education. Not that I don't think I wouldn't, I mean, I'm really lucky. I mean, both of us really are lucky because we have a lot of knowledge at our fingertips. You know, I mean, whether it's on the computer or on your cell phone. I mean, we can, I mean, heck, I can go on Instagram and I can go to, you know, a color brands page and I can watch coloring techniques and I can do all this stuff remote. You know, I can do it while I'm sitting on the toilet. Like, it doesn't matter. I can just look and it's at my hands where you can, you know. Thanks for taking me there. Sitting on the toilet. That was cool. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Gotta keep it lighthearted. Everyone's hey, you know, like, you know, though, I was, I was thinking about something. You know, the average American reads one book a year. That's it. That's and sad. I, on my vision board, in my office, I have 52 to one because my goal this year, I read 21 books last year. I want to read 52 books because that would give me a 52 to one advantage over everybody else. And yep. there is so much information in the books. And I want to kind of do a little sidestep. I was listening to Les Brown the other day and he was talking about how and I talk about on a lot of my podcasts, how do you want to be remembered? Well, he talks about laying on your deathbed in this one YouTube thing I was listening to, because I always try to listen to something motivational in the morning just to get my day started. And, and I was listening to Les Brown and he was talking about, and I, I was talking to mom about it just a little bit ago, because it's, it's, it's so powerful. You're laying on your deathbed, and I guess in, in most people's minds, they want to be surrounded by your loved ones. But let's, let's back it up a minute, and let's say that you're surrounded by your dreams and desires that have never been or has never materialized. And there they are, and you're going to take them. He said that the most wisdom is in cemeteries because mm -hmm. of all these things that these people have thought of or wanted to do and never did the books that were never written the 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 jobs that were never pursued they didn't do it because what's going on in here yeah you know, in the self-talk in the doubt in the the stuff that you you don't believe that you can do because you don't jump. And he said, yeah, you know, because you're scared of the outcome. He said he took, it took him 14 years of going to see Tony Robbins, going to see Zig Ziglar and going to see these other, going to these other seminars before. And, and he always thought I can do that, but he never did it because of what was going on up here. And then mm -hmm. he's like, don't, and I don't like to use the word don't because a lot of times we don't listen to the word don't and then we hear the other stuff, but um, just, just jump, just jump and do it. You know, take, take the risk. 
you know, we, we, we oftentimes worry about what the outcome is and, and that's okay to be calculated and to be intentional, but you got to just jump. Grant Cardone you says miss all the opportunities that you don't take. That's Wayne Gretzky. But yeah. Grant Cardone says it best commit first and figure it out later. So freaking do it, man. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Do it. In the words of mom, don't wish you would have when you could have. Yes, she does say that a lot. Don't wish you would have when you could have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, Dad. I got two more for you. The last one's kind of not really a question. But All right. anyway. But this one is, I mean, kind of the preface on why I wanted to do this is in my, and I'm going to backstory before I ask this question, is like, in my life, I will be 24 years old in a couple months, but in my entire life, you have always taught me to teach others because it's selfish to retain all of this knowledge for yourself because you were only one person. Like, yes, you should do the best for you, but, you know, the whole teach a man to fish type of thing, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not fair to others for you to hold on to all of this knowledge. And in whatever you learn and whatever you, you know, choose. So why, why is it so important to teach others? Because you have been a teacher for so many people, not just myself and Tessa and our family, but I mean, you were a coach, you were a teacher. I mean, you teach people at your job every single day. So why, why is it so important for you to do that? What fulfillment does that do for you? Well, at the beginning of the podcast, I talk about, I get my kicks out of watching people succeed. So if, if, if I'm able to benefit someone's life every day, mm -hmm. and that's fulfilling. So how do you benefit somebody's life? You know, you, you share something with them, you, you help them grow as a human being. And, and maybe that's a teaching platform, but um, I, I think, Charles Wasser said it once best, and 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 I've been I've been dealing with this here lately, uh, where I've I've a lot of the stuff that I teach other people or I talk to other people about, I struggle with myself, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 I think that most of the listeners can can relate to this. Is you know there there's I I deal with the chatterbox. I deal with I deal with rejection. I deal with all those things that I'm trying to help you overcome, but it also helps me. That's why I started the Biddy program when I was at Van Buren High School, because I understood what Charles Glosser said in that the stuff that we teach other people, we retain and we get better at ourselves. So as I'm teaching other people, it's not selfishly, because I, I just, that's just my makeup and I, I, I truly want to better other people, but I also learn myself, you know, since I've been doing these podcasts, I've learned so much just because of the study that it takes and, and just the preparation that it takes because I'm not half-assing it. I'm, I'm doing it. You know, I, I truly want to help other people. So it's benefiting me as well, but that's not the reason. I just, I just want 
to leave life and people better. And I truly, when I say in the beginning, I get my kicks out of watching people succeed. I love it when I have, I mean, somebody that I've shared something with and then they, they put it to practice and then, and then it, it, it's successful for them. And I, I just sit in the sidelines and I'll, I'll, I'll clap and cheer and say, that's, that's so cool. And then they give me credit, which I don't, I don't need the pat on the back. I, you know, we did the five love languages. My, you know, I don't, I don't need the pat on the back to uh, feel good about myself. I've had been wildly successful and I have, I have a lot to be thankful for, but I just, I just like to see how things, and maybe, maybe it's ego. I don't know. You know, now that you're talking about it, maybe it is ego. Maybe, maybe it's something that I, that when, when I do share something with somebody and then they, they actually take it to heart and then they do it and then they uh, have some success with it. Maybe, maybe my own quiet moment. I'm like, yeah, I did. I helped them do that. You know, they still have to put the action behind it. It's, it's not Absolutely. that I'm, I'm doing it. You know, it's just that I'm giving them maybe a few tools or I'm tweaking their brain a little bit in the things that I teach them that, that helps them. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm going to continue. I, I can't never, ever see myself any time in the future to not be a teacher you know and, and that's what my that's what my life word is my life word is teacher if you look at my vision board my life word is teacher because i find myself numerous times I, I can't tell you how many times in every day where i have a platform where i'm teaching somebody something or regurgitating some information that i've gained that and I'm just trying to help, trying to make them better. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I have gotten from you, whether it's through genetics, you know, nature versus nurture, you know, but I mean, you used to all the time say I had lost puppy syndrome. You know, yeah. I would take down, I would find, I would have the shittiest friends, <laughs> you know, because I wanted to help them and I wanted to, you know, turn their lives around and I mean it, it breaks your spirit down you know so it's it's at that point where you know it's hurting you more to hold on so I mean but I still have a very big open heart and I still you know would give the shirt off to, off my back for so many people but you learn the correct ways to do it and you and I both have and you've taught me so much, I mean, about a lot of different things, but you've taught me a lot on how to read others. Um, not like negatively, but just to kind of, and mom, this is another mom quote, you got the surface friends and then you got the deep friends. You know, you have those, you tread lightly in the water and then you have the ones where you dive deep in the ocean with. So, I mean, that's just how it's worked for both of us. And, you know, you and I both in our career paths have had, some really not so nice people that we've had to work with and you have to work with them because you're not just going to leave your job, but you know, you have to have some sort of a relationship with them and 
act like you like them, even though you don't. And then, you know, <laughs> these people, but these people, even these people that we may not like, we still want to try to help them because that's just how our DNA is. That's just how it works in our brains is even though these people don't deserve it, we find a way. We find a loophole saying that they deserve our help. And I mean, it's a positive 99% of the time. So, I mean, and like you were talking about earlier about your books and, you know, you wanting to be 52 to one. I mean, I think that being a teacher or, you know, helping others in general puts you, you know, a million to one because it doesn't cost you a dime to be a kind human being. So why are we, why are we being cruel and deceitful and harboring all of this knowledge or harboring good things just to yourself when we all have well enough to go around? Well, what's, what's the main quote I told you girls for ever and it's not it'll all work out that's grandma linda but what's the main quote that i've told you guys forever you can't strengthen the weak by weakening the strong exactly and that's why people do that because you know they're, they're not they're not happy with themselves mm -hmm. you know i i had that happen to me just a couple days ago i mean it it, it was it was un totally unnecessary but I, I bit my tongue and I stepped back and I realized that, you know, this, this, this human being has other things going on. And I, I talked about this, I, I don't know how many podcasts ago, but I talked about um, um, what's that movie with Bradley Cooper about the little blue pill thing that they take. Limitless. Limitless. And he was going upstairs to his apartment and then the apartment, um, manager's girlfriend was there she started railing on him about not paying his rent and, and then he had one of those pills that gave him clarity and he's like what's really going on you know so yeah and then she shared with them what was really going on but um the reason for that example is that everybody's dealing with something something and to be a quality human being, we need to step outside of ourselves and, and try to figure out how we can help. You know, I was listening to John, John G. Miller's personal accountability from the QBQ earlier this morning when I was walking the dogs and what can I do to help? I can't change you but what can mm -hmm. I do to help the situation? So I, th I think that, that that's a big takeaway for people is what can I do instead of playing the blame game, instead of pointing fingers at other people, what can I do to change this circumstance? Yeah, definitely. So what's the wrap up? Let's get her done. What you got? So, well, you already said it because oh. <laughs> the last one is Can't it'll all work the out. the weak by weakening the strong? No, it'll no. all work out. Mm. It'll all work out. Because that's yeah. been Grandma the Gherkin family motto yeah. for <laughs> a long ass time. Yeah. That's just been, you know, we all, I mean, 
I mean, I've said it to Tessa so many times. We all have, because, you know, COVID-19 screwed up her whole wedding this year, you know, and it's just like, and, and I kind of change, sorry, Grandma, you know, I kind of change this quote a little bit because it will all work out. It might not be the original way that you intended it to, but it will all work out the way that it's supposed to. Absolutely. You know, and and I, think, you, I don't think she would be offended by that because I think that that's truly what she meant. Yeah. It, it does. So. What, what, this, that, or the other, it, it does. It, whatever is going on works out. And yeah. to kind of back up, and I don't want to steal your thunder because you're the interviewer, but um, it's your podcast. My, mom, my, <laughs> my mom who passed away a number of years ago, uh, that, that was her, her big thing that she would share with everybody. Um, it'll all work out, and it does. And that kind of just, just took over and I've shared that with the girls and everything works out and 90% of the stuff, if not 95% of the stuff you worry about never happens. And we spend so much time on the worry and the wonder that we, we lose sight of the here and now. You know, mm -hmm. the future is going to be there. The past is already gone. Live in the here and now, and it'll all work out. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's truth right there. Yeah. It's not, life isn't about the destination. I mean, it's 100%. Sorry, listeners, if you're thinking that you're going to live forever, you're not. I'm sorry. You know, the one thing that is 100% true in life is that you are going to die. So why are we so focused on the destination? Why aren't we focused on the journey of life? Right. You know, enjoy, yeah. enjoy the mess ups. Enjoy, you know, the hard days. Enjoy, you know, I mean, right now, my husband and I are moving and we are so frustrated with all these little things that aren't working out the way that we want them to, but just in the back of my head is, you know, that it'll all work out. You know, we're going to look back on this at Christmas time and be like, why are we so frustrated with this? You know, we're first time home buyers. Yeah, no shit. Things aren't going to work out the way that we want them to. So. So. What do you think I'm going to say, Tapka? I don't know. What are you going to say? Yesterday's history, tomorrow's oh. mystery, today's gift. Talk to you next time.